Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm doing well, my man. Just embracing technology. Ha, 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 ha. You, found, you sound very robotic today. You okay? <laughs> yeah, not, you're not your normal emotive self right there. <laughs> you sound like uh, Hal from, uh, oh, <laughs> from uh, Space yeah. Odyssey there. Yeah, I'm you embracing know? technology, <laughs> so, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Hal, wasn't that the abbreviation because they wanted to use IBM, but it was the letters after uh, IBM because IBM wouldn't let them use it? I heard that somewhere. I don't know if it's a rumor or not. Listen, uh, in case you missed it last night, which I know Joe didn't, that's how it's done last night. That's how it's done. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to get to this in a second. Do not genuflect before the rage mob ever, ever. Stand by. All right, today's show brought to you by Stamps.com. Listen, no one has time to go to the post office. Stamps.com has been super helpful with me and Paula mailing books, mailing all our business stuff. Uh, we have to get it out, and it's really a pain uh, to have to sit in lines at the post office. Who's you got time. You're busy. Who's got time for the traffic, parking, lugging your mail and packages out of the house? It's all a hassle. That's why you need Stamps.com. One of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses. Stamps.com eliminates trips to the post office and saves you money with discounts you won't get at the post office. Stamps.com brings you all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer. Whether you're a small office uh, sending invoices like us, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com handles it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just hand it over to your mail carrier, drop it in a mailbox. It is that simple. With Stamps.com, you get five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. If you're mailing, this is going to save you heavy, heavy money. Uh, It's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saves you time, saves you money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Right now, our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and the digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, it's important, and type in Dan, D-A-N. Go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in Dan for your special offer. That's stamps.com. Enter Dan by clicking the microphone at the top of the homepage. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how it's done. You know, little backstory. So obvious disclosures. Many of you know I work at Fox News. I'm a paid contributor there. And let me tell you, um, I'm proud to work there. I say that unabashedly. For some of you out there, um, you know, and it's, you're entitled to your opinion. Some listen to the show. Some love Fox. Uh, you know, some don't. I, I read some of yours. Very few, but some don't. Some, some don't understand. I'm telling you, you want to hear my personal opinion. You listen to my show. You're entitled to hear how I feel. You are entitled to your opinion. I respect it. I'm proud to work there. I've always been proud to work there. Um, I know what happens behind the scenes. I don't want to be dramatic. I'm not sitting in on their board meetings no. or anything like that. But having provided content for them for seven years, having formally worked there now since January, I'm proud. No one has ever told me what to say there, ever. And they stand by their people when you're right. And they stand by their people when their people are under relentless assault. If you missed it last night, the Tucker Carlson show, you missed the game-changing moment on television. Now... I rarely play cuts longer than a minute, minute and 30 or so, because I just, uh, you know, it's a long one. 
But this maybe minute 40, Joe, minute 50 roughly cut of Tucker Carlson last night. I'm going to set it up because some of you may not know what's going on. This minute 40, minute 50 cut, believe me when I tell you, is worth your time. Tucker Carlson made some comments I think he would agree he'd like to take back in an interview 10 years ago on a shock jock radio station. 10 years ago. 10 years ago. The complete zero losers, basement dwelling dip at Media Matters, decided to drag this up. Not because they wanted a sincere apology from Tucker, but because Media Matters is dedicated to one thing. That is the abolition of the First Amendment, the abolition of free speech, and totalitarian rule by liberal ideology. That's all Media Matters is there for, make no mistake. These are police state thugs and tyrants. They want any opposing views to liberals off the air immediately, and Tucker Carlson right now is target number one for them. They dragged this out to get Tucker Carlson off the air. That is the only reason. So instead of taking a knee and bowing to this phony, fake rage mob, who didn't care at all about the comments, they just want speech suppressed and opposing views suppressed, they decided to attack Tucker. Here's how he responded. Maybe the whole conversation is an absurd joke. Maybe we're falling for it. You sometimes hear modern progressives described as new Puritans. That's a slur on colonial Americans. Whatever their flaws, the Puritans cared about the fate of the human soul and the moral regeneration of their society. Those are not topics that interest progressives. They're too busy pushing late-term abortion and cross-dressing on fifth graders. These are the people who write our movies and our sitcoms. They are not shocked by naughty words. They just pretend to be when it's useful. It's been very useful lately. The left's main goal, in case you haven't noticed, is controlling what you think. In order to do that, they have to control the information that you receive. Google and Facebook and Twitter are fully on board with that. They're happy to ban unapproved thoughts, and they don't apologize for it. They often do. So do the other cable channels and virtually every major news outlet in this country. One of the only places left in the United States where independent thoughts are allowed is right here, the opinion hours on this network. Just a few hours in a sea of television programming. It's not much, relatively speaking. For the left, it's unacceptable. They demand total conformity. Since the day we went on the air, they've been working hard to kill this show. We haven't said much about it in public. It seemed too self-referential. The point of this show has never been us. But now it's obvious to everybody. There's no pretending that it's not happening. It is happening. And so going forward, we'll be covering their efforts to make us be quiet. For now, though, just two points to leave you with. First, Fox News is behind us, as they have been since the very first day. Toughness is a rare quality at a TV network, and we are grateful for that. Second, we've always apologized when we're wrong, and we'll continue to do that. That's what decent people do. They apologize. But we will never bow to the mob, ever, no matter what. Amen, brother. That is some of the most powerful minute and 52 minutes of television you will ever see in your life. Yep. You are damn right. Very rare that Joe and I see the exact same cut and pull it at the same time. I sent it to Mm. Joe. He already had it. Folks, Joe and I have been subjected to this too. Nowhere near on the scale that Media Matters targets Fox News. But for those of you out there who don't appreciate what happens, you have no idea. I mean this in any way, in a derogatory way. I don't. 
You have no idea behind the scenes what goes on at Fox News every single day to get that network and its talent off the air. Listen, I mean, again, I don't mean this in a derogatory way. Why would you know? You have your own lives and your own jobs. You have no idea the relentless assault this network is under every day to shut them up. You know what the easy call last night was? Ah, let's just get rid of them. A controversy. We don't need that. That's mm. not what they did. They realized these were comments on a shock jock station 10 years ago and that the left doesn't give a damn about apologies. The left doesn't care about apologies. Moral Puritans, as Tucker points out, Joe, the party of late-term abortion, the mm-hmm. party of socialism and the death, destruction, and torture mm-hmm. that comes along with it, the party of bankruptcy, the party of economic deprivation, the party of robbing parents of school choice for their kids stuck in crappy public schools. You're the party of moral purity on the totem pole of morals. You're at the top. Give me a damn break, you f***ing fools. You're here. That was powerful. Mm-hmm. I listened to that last night from my, the same exact camera I'm talking to you now is where I do Fox News from. And I was brought on to talk about something completely different on Tucker's show last night. I was brought on to talk about the Mueller probe falling apart. And I opened up by saying, time out. I want to tell you, Tucker, I am happy to be here with you. Emphasis added last night, tonight on this show. I said you'd never, ever, ever genuflect in front of the liberal rage mob. Ever. It would have been easy for me to say, oh, I'm going to cancel that hit. Never. Ever. Tucker did the right thing. The comments, yes, I'm sure he would take them back if he could. He's not proud of them. I've made comments. Everybody's Ben Shapiro has a great article. Paul, if you wouldn't mind throwing that up on the screen. Ben Shapiro has a terrific article up at the Daily Wire where Shapiro, who's a competitor of mine, but I don't view it that way. I don't view this as zero sum. I don't view Ben Shapiro's podcast as a competition of mine. Shapiro has an article up where he actually lists things he said that he'd like to take back. The essence of being human is sin, recovering from it and redemption. That is not what the left wants here. The left isn't looking to expose the sins, air quotes here, of Tucker Carlson to make Tucker, quote, a better man, Joe. They are looking to shut him up because he challenges their own evil. Late-term abortion, economic hegemony, socialism. This drives them wild. This isn't the time to jump ship on Fox News, folks. That's why I get offended at these emails like I would. I don't. Do you understand? I don't need to work there. I don't need to. I don't say this in any kind of like I'm going to get on my high horse. I don't. This podcast is hugely successful. I work there by choice. Because it's one of the last remaining obstacles to the left's complete hegemonic rule over news and opinion on television. Tucker's right. The opinion shows on Fox from 8 o'clock to 11 p.m. are the last vestiges of free thought on television. Where else are you getting that? I'm talking about on cable. There are other channels trying, and I respect them too. You have One America and Newsmax. I get it. Mm-hmm. But folks, as a matter of sheer numbers, they don't have the penetration that Fox does. 
Now, I have an analogy for you here because I want to explain to you the real fight that's going on here. And what people, you know, some of the, the, the fake Republicans who decided to jump down Tucker's throat yesterday too. They don't understand the fight we're in. I've referred to it in the past, Joe, as battlefield morality. Yes. Uh, for some reason, that's penetrating with our, with our regular listeners. But for some, it's not getting through. I think you're still confused what's going on. You have this never Trump crowd and this other crowd who is eager to, to, to surgically attach their lips, lips to the, the butts of the left with the hope that they'll appease their hostage takers. Oh, Trump, he's horrible. All oh, this horrible comes. Virtue signaling fake rhinos who think we're in a sport fight. We're in a fight fight. There's a difference. You know who these people are, Joe? These never Trump lunatics. What's that, bro? And Republicans who that Tucker was referencing in that clip, Joe, where mm -hmm. he said, you know, when there, was, there were Republicans who abide by the speech codes of the left and attack their own people all the time. You know who they are? Do you remember Die Hard, Joe, the original Die Hard movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved it. You remember Ellis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I do. You remember? Yeah. Ellis. Yeah. Ellis is the guy. <laughs> remember oh, when no. he, he's the Hans, <laughs> yeah. the booby. Ellis booby. is, is the, the disgusting, sniveling snake who, when, when they take over, Hans Gruber takes over Nakatomi Plaza oh, yeah. and takes hostages inside. Ellis is that slimy snake, one of the hostages, who walks into Hans Gruber and gives up the name of the only guy fighting back, John McClain, because they don't know his name. They yeah. don't know he's related uh, to his wife. They just think he's some cowboy. That's the never Trump crowd. The never Trump crowd and the sellout rhinos who think we're in a sport fight and uh. not a fight fight. You're Ellis from Die Hard. Hans, Bobby, you sellout, fake, phony, Filthy frauds. You have no idea the fight we're in right now. The people we're fighting are not in this for sport. They are in this to make you go away, to shut you down, to bankrupt you, to harass you, to humiliate you. In many cases, sadly, to actually physically attack you. This isn't a joke. You are Ellis. You are Ellis from Die Hard, kissing the collective asses of the hostage takers who take you hostage with the hope of getting mercy later on. And we all know what happened to Ellis and Die Hard. Mm. It didn't end well. We'll leave it no, at that. Not well. You are Ellis. You're the Hans Booby guys. Look yourself in a mirror understanding what a sniveling snake you are. I... You know, I read something. I tell this to my daughter a lot. It was great mm -hmm. in a, how to teach kids ethics and morals. And it said, tell your kids to imagine they're acting in a movie and they're watching themselves in the movie. Would they be proud or embarrassed at the person they're watching? I thought that was a great line. Yeah. Know this. You never Trump buffoons and you Republican sleazebags who run at the first sign of controversy. You're Ellis. You're that guy we watched in the original Die Hard that we all said, what a disgraceful pig. Yeah, that's you. This isn't a sport fight, folks. This is a fight to keep a network seeking truth and ideological opposition to the staunch pro-government, anti-freedom views of the left on the air. Do you understand how important this is? 
Here's an analogy for you. I keep trying to think of a ways to explain this. The never Trumpers think this is a sport fight. They think it's boxing. They think there's a referee there. Now, for those of you who are fighters, when you go in, I, you know, the first time I, exp- I, I, I want to explain this the right way. I've spent years of my life in mixed martial arts and whatever, and I'm paying for it now, as most of you can tell. But the first time you're in a real street fight, and there's no rules, ladies and gentlemen, it's very different. And I remember a long time ago talking to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu friend of mine. And he was saying that he was lamenting the direction of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which started as a self-defense fighting combat art. Mm-hmm. And it was transitioning into sport. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a sport now. And what he lamented is the fact that the Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters, although tremendously skilled in the sports space, were becoming awful street fighters. You know why, Joe? Hmm. Because they had gotten used to things like rules. Like, well, I can pull this move off, this arm bar from the mount, and when I do it, it'll work this way. Not realizing that the guy on the bottom may bite your calf. No, he won't bite your calf, Joe. That's illegal in sports jujitsu. It ain't illegal in the street. No, sir. Mo. In the street, they gouge your eyes out. All of a sudden, sitting in the guard on the bottom all day trying to pull an arm bar while you're on the floor and while the guy's headbutting you and gouging your eyes out don't look like so much fun anymore. The old Gracie clan, who I adore, they used to actually fight people on the beach to show that their stuff worked because they were concerned about self-defense. Then they started transitioning to Berimbolos and all this other stuff and this fancy sport jiu-jitsu that I'm telling you right now in the street is worthless. It's worthless. A guy's going to gouge your eyes. And I do this stuff. He's going to kick you in the cojones, gouge your eyes out, and bite your ears off. These people think we're fighting sports jujitsu, these never Trump sellers. This is a real fight. These people will bite you. They will gouge you. They will kick you where you shouldn't be kicked. They will pull your hair. They will bend back your fingers. Do you understand the fight? These never Trump sellouts? Oh, no, no. If we just appeal to the referee in the boxing match for calm, the referee being the media, in other words, if we virtue signal to the media that we're the good conservatives and Mm. Trump is the bad guy and we need to speak out against Tucker because look what he said, that all of a sudden the referee will recognize that we're the good guy and maybe he'll rule favorably at the end of the fight, Joe. That ain't going to happen, brother. Wrong, Ellis. This is a fight fight. You're darn right, Ellis. You are wrong. Wrong. You all know what happened to Ellis. This is a fight fight. There is going to be no ref scorecard. There's going to be no ref. Their goal is silence. This is not about an apology from Tucker. It's not what this is about. They're trying to get fire Tucker Carlson trending. Notice, Joe, they don't want to fire Joy Reid at MSNBC. Mm. Right. Joy Reid on MSNBC, in case many of you have forgotten, who had a blog. She actually wrote what she lied about. She claimed that uh, she asked for an FBI investigation, saying someone had manipulated her blog. It was all a lie. 
homophobic blog she had going for years while claiming the mantle of identity politics on left-leaning MSNBC. Remember that story? Mm. Oh, some of you have forgotten. In media doesn't matter. Media matters. Losers. They don't want an apology. Nobody was calling for Joy Reid to be thrown off the air on the left. Matter of fact, Joe, you and I covered it too. Yes, we did. And said what we'll say now, what we said then. Joy Reid's a horrible person. Mm. And there's a way to not listen to Joy Reid. You know what it is, Joe? (laughs) Change the channel. Bingo. I don't care if Joy Reid is on the air or off the air. I don't watch MSNBC. It's garbage. You don't like Tucker's show? Tune the hell out. Boycotts. It's not about an apology, folks. It's about shutting everybody up. And the fact that Tucker refused to cow, to genuflect, to tilt his head, and honor the mural, the moral Puritans, as he calls them on the left, was a game-changing moment. I'm not afraid. I'm not. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of any of this stuff. You want to go ahead and do your boycott thing? You go right ahead. But I'm not afraid. Neither is Tucker. And it's time all of us called out the Ellis Party. Good for you. Man. You know, it was interesting because I'm sitting here last night. I'm on Tucker and I know I'm here to talk about something else on the show. And uh, I'm saying to my, if you watch the clip, I don't know if you guys DVR the show, Mm. but my wife, who knows me better than anyone, could watch me as Tucker was doing the intro about the Mueller thing. She's like, you're thinking about it right now, right? You're thinking, should I say this or should I not? (laughs) And I was. And I was like, you know what? I'm saying it. Too bad. Thank you for having me on this show that night. Easiest thing in the world is to run away from this stuff. Don't be Ellis. All right. Uh, let's move on. I got a lot of really great stuff to get to. I'm going to hat tip my uh, one of my guys out there, one of my sources. Operator 27. Now, you know who you are. Good guy. Me and him have been uh, <laughs> digging through some material. <laughs> it's great. This stuff is just awesome. Book two, by the way, the sequel to Spygate. I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not teasing it for the sake of teasing. We're a long way away from publication. It's going to blow your mind. I promise you. I, I may venture to say it may wind up better than book one. It's that good. So stay tuned for that. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Folks, they make the finest nutrition supplements on the market. One of the best products out there that's helped me recover from surgery. Medical malady update. Left elbow is doing pretty good. You see it, Ben's? Uh, I've been taking Field of Greens. Field of Greens is their fruit and vegetable supplement. It is a powder. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of fruit and vegetable extracts, pills, You see all these products out there. Here's the difference with Field of Greens. This is a true story, by the way. Miles, who owns Brickhouse Nutrition, I begged him because every time I take fruit and vegetable products, in addition to eating fruits and vegetables, I always felt better. I I kid you not. My immune system, knock on wood, I rarely get sick. Um, Cognitively, I always just felt better. Everybody knows fruits and vegetables are the key to a long, healthy life. Staying healthy, staying fit, keeping your joints healthy, right? The problem is a lot of us don't want to prepare them and don't want to cook them. So I said to Miles, please, please, please make this product because I'm tired of all these other products out there. They're junk. 
So he did, but what he did is he did this differently. He took the highest quality fruits and vegetables, and this is food. This is not cheap extract. This is ground up real fruits and vegetables, high quality, all those high quality macronutrients and micronutrients that'll change your life in one scoop. It tastes delicious too. I think it has like a berry type tinge to it. My wife takes it, right, Paula? Every day. Every she, my my wife went through a medical thing recently. She's been taking it. Her health. She, she said she loves it. We got to get her mic. Or she doesn't like to open her mic, but she's mm. like a Mr. Producer on the Levin Show. Rich. He doesn't <laughs> like to open his mic. She loves it. It is a great product. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com/slash/dan. Feel better. Look better. Have your immune system supported fully with the nutrients it needs. Buy a jar of Field of Greens today. Mix it in juice. Mix it in water. Put it in your protein shakes. It is your fruit and vegetable insurance. I can't vouch for this stuff highly enough. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan is the website. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan is the website. Please check it out. Feel the greens. You will not regret it. Okay. So um, I've got some interesting information for you about the timeline. Uh, I was I was referred by a, uh, let's call him a source, uh, to a, a, a older John, an older John Solomon article. Please, please read this at the show notes today. I'm humbly begging you, uh, go to Bongino.com or subscribe to our email list. It's on the drop-down menu at Bongino.com. It says subscribe. Mm-hmm. I will send you these articles every single day in your inbox. They are so worth reading. And the different thing about our email list, folks, just so you know, so I don't you don't think you're wasting our, your time here. We don't always send you articles from today. Hey, you can go anywhere for that. A lot of great drudge. There's a lot of great sites out there that aggregate. They do a great job. We find stuff that's older, but that's older and related to what's going on right now. You're not going to get that anywhere else. So please go subscribe. Check out this article by John Solomon because it nails a very specific thing I've been focused on in conjunction with a source of mine that I want you all to be, have a heads up on. And it is this. And here's the John Solomon piece. Paula has it up on the YouTube channel. For those of you watching the video, youtube.com slash Bongino. I've been talking to you about panics. How on the Friday show, Joe, and yesterday, how right around the third week in July, there right. are these very specific panics that break out amongst the conspirators conspiring to take down the Trump team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The July 27th panic we're going to call that panic two. You may say, really? I never heard about panic one. Yes, that's what we're going to talk about today. But I just <laughs> want to describe to you how there are, the, there are these very specific dates where people freak out. And when you finally put the dates in order chronologically in your head, you figure out how this whole thing went down. So panic two, just a quick update is, and I'll go through some of this in a second as well, is the date Mueller finds out about the texts from Peter Stroke, who's investigating Trump and his FBI lawyer girlfriend, Lisa Page. Um, right around that July, third week in July, second week in July date, Mueller gets wind of these devastating texts, Trump people smell, you know, Oconus lures, all this nasty mm-hmm. stuff. And all of a sudden, what happens, Joe? Manafort's house is raided. Papadopoulos gets arrested. The Jim Baker Circa article leaks. The House calls for a second special counsel. Everything freaks out. I've been calling it like the date of the internal civil war. Mueller knows what? He knows his lead investigator in the case has screwed up this whole thing, and this has been a scam the whole time. So the mop-up operation starts. But there's another panic date, Joe. Hmm. It's a fascinating panic date, and that date is an obvious one I've uh, not talked about before, and that's November 8th. What happens on November 8th of 2016? Uh, That's Election Day. (laughs) November 8th of 2016, (laughs) Donald Trump wins the presidency. Ruh-roh. This panic date is 
fast. Yeah, Shaggy. <laughs> They're in a lot of trouble now. Obviously, the reasons are are because the the conspirators in this case, who have been spying on the Trump team, spying on Carter Page, spying on Papadopoulos, spying on Mike Flynn, uh, ruthlessly attacking the Trump team and weaponizing the FBI as a political opposition research outlet for the Democrats. uh, These people now know one thing, Joe, they know they will be discovered because. Unlike their prior thought that Hillary Clinton was a shoe in for the president, that was now not the case. Donald Trump, who mm. they've been targeting, is now the president. And clean up on aisle four happens. <laughs> yeah. So I've been having an interesting conversation with a with a friend, and he brings up this this uh, this FBI memo, and it, I'll relate this to the Solomon piece in a minute, even though the Solomon piece is a little older. But he brings up this FBI memo. Paula, throw it up on the YouTube channel. I'll read it for you for those of you on the audio. The FBI memo in question is a piece of paperwork documenting the dismissal of Christopher Steele as the source. (laughs) Now, here it is up on the screen. Paula highlights a word on the screen there, the word unlikely. I'm going to read this to you in a second, but notice they seem, was it, uh, here's the question. Mm -hmm. Was this dismissing of Christopher Steele as a source, was this document, was it backdated to November 1st? Joe, is November 1st before or after November 8th? This is not a trick. No, uh, it would be before, Dan. It would be before. Yes. So a source brought up this interesting theory to me that I think may have some meat on its bones. Question number one. Now that we know Christopher Steele, there were numerous attempts to re-engage with Christopher Steele, Uh even after he was fired, as the FBI said. Question number one is, Was Christopher Steele ever fired at all? Question two is, was this memo written after Election Day and backdated to November 1st, which was their last contact with Christopher Steele, to make pretend that he had been fired before Election Day in some road to Damascus, come to Jesus moment where they realized this was a bad guy? Joe, this is a fascinating line of inquiry now think about the ramifications of this Steele's name has been used because he is a he was a prior fbi source in other words he had credibility with the fbi as a source he had worked on the soccer corruption case Mm -hmm. before many of you know this Mm -hmm. so in order to be used in court as a verified source you have to show a history of convictions and a history of successful prosecution. So if Joe's a source to the FBI on terrorism cases, um, and it's his first time, they have to independently verify all of Joe's information. If Joe Mm -hmm. has worked with the FBI on 10 prior terrorist convictions, right? Mm -hmm. Joe is a reliable source, and the judge will put different weight, a more profound weight in what Joe says. Makes sense, Joe, right? Joe has provided respectful, uh, re- excuse me, respectable information in the past yeah. that's led to prosecutions and convictions. Yeah. I believe Christopher Steele's name, because he had worked with the FBI in the past, was used on the bogus dossier, although large swaths of the information in the dossier were likely not produced by Steele. I said this in the prior shows. How does this relate? to the backdating of his alleged firing. Number one, if you read the memo again, Paula, put that back up on the screen if you don't mind. Was he ever fired at all? Let me read to you this line. My eyes are going a little bit. 
It says on November 1st, 2016. Wow, that date's convenient. Mm -hmm. CHS confirmed all of this to the handling agent. At that time, the handling agent advised CHS, confidential human source, that the nature of the relationship between the FBI and the source would change completely and that it was unlikely that the FBI would continue a relationship with the source. Additionally, handling agent advised that the source was not to operate uh, to obtain any intelligence whatsoever on behalf of the FBI. Folks, was this backdated? In other words, did senior people at the FBI understanding their entire case was BS based on a dossier that wasn't even largely written by the source they were using in court, Steele? They were, in other words, they were using his name because he'd been a source before, but it wasn't even mm -hmm. his info. Mm -hmm. Did the Bureau now realize on November 8th that all of this was going to be exposed and they were going to be held liable for using information they attributed to a source that wasn't even his? What happens, Joe? Panic breaks out, probably on November 9th and November 10th, and people start to figure out that, hey, we're going to have to put something down on paper that we dismissed this guy before the election. Somebody got a memo handy? But notice in there, it doesn't say he was fired, Joe. Yes, it says it's unlikely they were going to use him in the future. Right. And they did use him in the future. We now know, due to Bruce Orr's testimony, that the number two at the FBI, after Jim Comey was fired, attempted to re-engage with Christopher Steele. Mm -hmm. We also know Steele continued to meet with Bruce Orr at the DOJ. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, this memo is bull. Steele was never fired. This memo appears to be a cover job to make it seem that he was fired, to make it appear that the FBI was taking the high road before the election and that they had somehow discovered the steel malfeasance and they were the good guys. I don't believe this thing one bit. Now, where did we start this? We started with the Solomon piece. You may say, well, how does this older John Solomon piece from July of last year, how does that tie into this? Oh, read this doozy. There it is. Paul has it up in the YouTube channel there. Let me read to you the first quote from this piece. This is a text. How did we all miss this? This is a, uh, excuse me, an email. Let me be precise here. This is an email from Peter Stroke. He's writing to his girlfriend, Lisa Page, an FBI lawyer. Two days after the election. Quote, we need all of their names to scrub and we should give them ours to the same purpose. Stroke email page on November 10th, 2016, citing a Daily Beast article about some of former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort's allegedly unsavory ties overseas. Andy didn't get any others, Page wrote back, apparently indicating McCabe didn't have any names to add to the scrub. Mm. Holy Moses. Mm -hmm. Joe, what were they scrubbing two days after the election? Were they putting together a series of memos? Mm -mm. Scrubbing any, uh, any work they had done with Christopher Steele, pretending they had fired him November 1st before oh. the election? What were they scrubbing, ladies and gentlemen? 
We need, let me, again, we need all of their names to scrub. Two days after the election. Were they whitewashing and cleaning off and scrubbing down their use of Christopher Steele? Knowing the whole time they had used information that was allegedly from Steele that wasn't, that they just slapped his name on it because he'd been a credible source in the past? Knowing the information was a hoax? Do you understand how devastating this email is? It gets worse. Oh, this Solomon piece is so worth your time. Now, keep in mind, we covered, Joe, you probably remember, mm-hmm. we actually covered this piece when it came out. Yeah, we uh, did. In July. Mm-hmm. Yep. But now, given the Bruce Orton, you know, the reason I'm bringing this up again, uh-huh. we don't repeat shows here. We don't ever run out of content. The reason I'm bringing this up now is now that the Bruce Orr testimony has become public, And I have an Epic Times piece in the show notes today about it. We now know that Christopher Steele, ladies and gentlemen, was never scrubbed. In other words, this memo is probably a hoax. Not a hoax. It's a real memo. But this memo is likely a paper trail created disingenuously to make it appear that they had gotten rid of Christopher Steele. When what did they in fact do with Christopher Steele, Joe? They had Steele... Meet with Bruce Orr, right. and then Bruce Orr give the information to Joe Pianca at the FBI, which makes it seem that the information came from where, Joe? Bruce Orr, not right. Steele. So they scrub the CI. They make pretend their confidential informant, or they call him confidential human source, disappeared on November 1st. They backdate a memo when he never disappeared at all. Bruce Orr is now admitted to continuing to speak with Christopher Steele after this alleged dismissal. He was unlikely to be used. He was still being used. The scrub is a head fake. It's an it, it, it's a it's a pump fake. They still used him. They had to scrub it because they understood Trump won. And now they can't use this fake source unabashedly and openly. They have to hide it. So they hide it after the election through Bruce Orr. That's all new. Second quote from the John Solomon piece. This is a doozy. From the emails. That's what Bill said, Stroke wrote back, apparently uh, referring to then FBI Chief of Counterintel, William Prystep. I suggested we need to exchange our entire lists as we have potential derogatory CI info, the other doesn't. CI means confidential informant. Oh, isn't that interesting? Hmm. So Peter Stroke's boss, Bill Prystep, they're emailing about communicating with Bill, suggesting that they have potential derogatory information about the source they've been using. While they have to scrub their sources? While a memo appears that they've somehow dismissed this source and they're unlikely to use them, despite the fact that they're using them again right after the election. This is panic day number one, election day, zero hour, when the FBI managers running this operation against Trump have that holy moment. All of this information we got from Steele, who's likely not even the producer of this, His name is just on it. 
This whole thing is a hoax. How are we going to tell people when Trump finds out that we used a bad source who wasn't even the source to spy on this Trump team? He's writing to his boss they have derogatory information. What's the derogatory information, Joe? Well, we know from their texts about the 302s, the interview summaries, Mm -hmm. where Stroke repeatedly texts Lisa Page about how there's derogatory information in the 302s they Mm -hmm. don't want out there. Mm -hmm. We know from the information summaries that Bruce Orr told them. Bruce Orr, the DOJ official who was handling Steele after they allegedly dismissed him, told people at the FBI, Andrew Weissman on the special counsel to DOJ included, he was at DOJ at the time, told them Steele hated Trump. Or told them this was unverified information. Now do you understand the derogatory information about their source? They had a scrub? Folks, they never fired Steele. They have a piece of paperwork that says they fired Steele. But they don't have the facts that say they fired Steele. They continued to deal with Steele after the election. This is just stunning in light of the new info that Orr and Steele had created a back channel after he was allegedly fired. Ladies and gentlemen, that memo I put up on the YouTube channel is garbage. They never got rid of Steele. Was that thing written on November 1st? If it was, listen to me. If anybody at the Bureau who has inside info, and you know who you are, some of the people reach out to me, and can prove to me that thing was written on November 1st, we will correct it, absolutely. Mm. But that memo is awfully suspicious. Because if it was written on November 1st before Election Day, Joe, it's not back to the future. Mm -hmm. Then obviously, they did try to get rid of him then. But was that memo written after Election Day? Love to see the time stamp on that baby, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. You got rid of him? Really? You sure about that? All right. I want to get into timeline panic day two. Let's have my, my last read here. Oh, listen, Bravo Company, one of my favorite reads. They make the finest rifles out there. Uh, they sent me a rifle and a pistol. Bravo Company Manufacturing. Their products are absolutely terrific. True story. I go in to pick up my rifle from Bravo. Some of you have heard it before. Uh, but Bravo Company Manufacturing makes the finest life-saving equipment out there. Their rifles are top-notch. There's nobody better. I go to pick it up from the local um, gun shop. And my buddy in there is like, you got one of these? He couldn't. He's like, can I look at it? I'm like, yeah, sure, man. Take a look. You have to fill out paperwork, you know, contrary to the left thing. It's easier to get a Legra than it is to get a firearm. Really? Have you ever bought a firearm, you idiots? I'm a former Secret Service. And I got to fill out paperwork and go do a background check to pick up a free one. They sent me, you knuckleheads. But the left doesn't know that. All right. So BCM makes really high quality life-saving equipment. Listen, I'm a gun owner. I'm a Second Amendment supporter. Owning a rifle is an awesome responsibility. Building rifles is no different. BCM was started by a Marine veteran more than two decades ago. Bravo Company Manufacturing, or BCM for short, this is important. They build a professional-grade product built to combat standards. These are not sporting rifles, folks. They believe the same level of protection provided to every American, regardless of they're a private citizen or a professional. They imbue that in every single product. Bravo Company Manufacturing. It's not a sporting arms company. Design, engineer, manufacture, life-saving equipment. They assume when a rifle leaves their shop, it'll be used in a life-or-death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or soldier overseas. So quality matters to them. They manufacture right here in Heartland, Wisconsin, to a life-saving standard. 
BCM always puts people before their products. These are good people there. They build their products because they feel it's their moral responsibility to provide tools that will not fail when it's not just a paper target. BCM knows making reliable, life-saving tools only half the story, folks. They work with leading instructors of marksmanship from special forces, and these instructors then teach the skills necessary to defend yourself, your family, or others. You want to learn more about them? You can check out their YouTube channel, youtube.com slash USA, or you can go to their website, bravocompanymfg.com, bravocompanymfg.com. These are high-quality, precision-made rifles, some of the finest out there. BravoCompanyMFG.com. Find out about products, special offers, and upcoming news. BravoCompanyMFG.com. Okay. So, on we have panic date number one now. The election, it appears the Bureau is looking to scrub the source they've used the whole time. They found derogatory information on them. They've known this the whole time. Or has told them that Steele was a, uh, was a bad guy, mm-hmm. uh, that the information may not be his, that Steele can't stand Donald Trump. So the scrub begins. But date number two, uh, again, hat tip to uh, my source out there. Who, we've been talking about this July 27th date. That's the date the Civil War happens in the White House here, I believe, yeah. where people find out about the stroke text. So the whole thing becomes obvious to the inspector general, the internal affairs people looking at all the malfeasance on this. But there's some lead ups to that July 27th that uh, a, a, let's say a friend was nice enough to send and compile for me. So remember, July 27th, July 26th is the Manafort raid. July 27th is the Papadopoulos arrest. This is the cleanup on aisle four. They have to shut all this down because the text they get involved the use of steel. <coughs> excuse me. Involved the use of, ste- of the use of steel to target Manafort. Keep in mind, the dossier, one of the key antagonist bad guys, Skeletor of the dossier is Paul Manafort. Mm-hmm. So when Mueller finds out in July of 2017, when he finds out about the texts and the efforts to target Manafort through information provided by Steele, I believe Mueller panics. He sees the texts. He knows what they're plotting. Here's the lead up to this. On July 13th, Peter Stroke joins Mueller's team. So July, this is just a couple, uh, couple of weeks before. July 14th, Horowitz writes a letter to senators. Here's what this is important. July 15, 2017, Lisa Page leaves the special counsel suspiciously. She just joined. So right around July 15th is probably the time that Horowitz interviews her, maybe a couple days prior. He's interviewing her about an investigation into the Hillary email scandal and the mishandling of it. Ironically, Joe, this is the greatest point of all. Talk about a Democrat slap in the face. Because the Democrats were so mad at Comey, they demanded an inspector general internal affairs investigation into the FBI's handling of Hillary's email. (laughs) So what happens? This is the greatest slap in the face of all time. Horowitz, looking into it, interviews Lisa Page, the FBI lawyer having an affair with Stroke, who's now investigating Trump on Mueller's team. And while... He's investigating Lisa Page on the Clinton thing. It's, they start to get into some of Andy McCabe's leaks to the media. It's likely at this point that Lisa Page says, hey, um, I wasn't told to authorize that leak. Look, I have texts with Andy McCabe and he said it was OK. Oh, oh you oh, 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 you have texts? Really? Hey, um, Lise, can we look at that phone? Oh, does the damn break on that one. Horowitz gets these texts right around this time. As I keep telling you, right around July 2017, the Civil War breaks out. 
And he's probably reading through these things with his investigator going, hey, boys, Hillary's email is the least of our problems right now. Look at this stuff about Trump. Oconus lures, Trump's people smell, London meetings, scrub the list, derogatory information. Wow. Right around July 15th. July 19th, Stroke is brought in and interviewed. Peter Stroke, the investigator being investigated at this point. You know what's awfully interesting about this? There was a footnote added later on that Stroke was interviewed on July 19, 2017. This is in Flynn's paperwork. In relationship to other matters, not as part of the investigation of the defendant or any investigation of Stroke's conduct. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. That's fascinating. This, again, proves my point that Mueller's not a good guy. It's a cleanup operation. It's clear as day Horowitz was interviewing Stroke about the darn text they just got from Paige's BlackBerry or, or whatever device she had. July 20th, the FBI produces the page stroke text to the OIG. This is where the IG Horowitz is probably freaking out, realizing they've got a bum investigation here. Hey, Bob, we got an issue. (laughs) July 26th, of course, Manafort's house is raided. Wow, that's convenient. You're talking about scrubbing a CI you used to target Manafort. You're now reading the texts about scrubbing the CI you used to target Manafort, the informant, and then you raid Manafort's house. You probably should have apologized. July 27th, of course, Papadopoulos, the leak about Jim Baker and his leaks to Circa. July 28th, Stroke is removed from the special counsel. McCabe's also interviewed by Horowitz and lies to him for the first time. Folks, I'm only putting that out there because this July 27th date, this is panic operation number two. You can see around this timeline that this spark that was lit ironically by the Democrats requesting Mm. an investigation into Hillary's emails started this probe into Lisa Page, which exposed her text which exposed them to the IG, which drove the Mueller team into panic mode, which drove this other series of events. The Manafort arrest. They had to arrest Manafort at that point. Mueller knows his investigation is a dog. Uh They need to arrest Manafort and get a search warrant on this guy or hit Uh his house at least. They need to hit his, which is a more precise way to talk about what happened. They need to hit his house to get information. Why? This is the coup de grace of this whole thing. Panic one and panic two. Panic one is the election. Scrub the list. Pretend we fired steel. Panic two. Why is Mueller in a panic? Because, folks, he now knows the dossier is a total hoax. So instead of just acknowledging that this entire investigation he's conducting is grade A level tier one BS, what does he do? He serves an early morning rush search warrant on the Manafort team in an effort to do what, Joe? To find information in the house that he thinks, Mm -hmm. that he hopes, that he prays may rescue the dossier. Because Mueller's job is to rescue the dossier. Because the dossier was provided by Steele. Steele's name, I want to be clear. And that was all they had. 
And Mueller's job is exclusively to rescue the reputation of the FBI. And the reputation of the FBI and DOJ will go down in flames if it comes out that the information they used allegedly from Steele and the dossier to target Manafort was a total hoax. So they hit the house with the desperate hope of getting some criminal evidence of Manafort that'll either back up the dossier or they can arrest him to shut him down and work a proffer deal where they get him to shut his hole. Dude. This is way bigger than a cleanup on aisle four. This is, we got to disinfect the whole meat department here, you know? It's, <laughs> Joe, I, I, and I wanted, I sent out a tweet yesterday and I meant it. I want to hat tip all of the people out there, the real journalists, not the fake news media that's been promoting the collusion hoax for a long time. I meant this. This project that I've been putting together in book two would never be possible without the likes of, Molly Hemingway, Kim Strassel, John Solomon, Sarah Carter, Chuck Ross, Jeff Carlson. A tons of people out there who have put in my source, my other source, you know who you are, would never be possible without this. You understand what we're talking about today, right? That not Mm -hmm. only was the FBI court using fake info, they tried to scrub it in a panic after election day. And then when the whole scheme got exposed through the text, they tried to scrub it again by arresting the people subjected to it in an effort to find new crimes to shut them up or to find old crimes that would rescue the dirty, filthy dossier they used the whole time. Absolutely horrifying. All right, folks, I was going to get into some other stuff, but I'm going to leave it um, there for the day because this has been a really uh, deep show. Uh, and that battle we talked about in the beginning is important. We need all our soldiers on the battlefield first, uh, folks. This is not a UFC fight. This is a real street fight where people pull out shivs and they bite and they poke and they scratch. When people panic on the floor, I've seen it. When you get someone down on the ground who doesn't know what they're doing, they do strange things. They bite, they kick, they scratch, they tear, they freak out. They'll stab you if they could. This is a fight. These people want us all taken off the air. Joe knows exactly what I'm talking about. We've been dealing with it too. You bet. But we need all our soldiers on the battlefield. This is no time for never Trump buffoonery. Please, don't be Ellis. This is no time for Ellis. This is time for John McClain. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.